fly fishing in the panhandle is something that is, I don't want to say cultish, but it's definitely not something you see all the time. There is a small group of people so far that I've seen since I've lived here that are getting out there with a fly rod in the surf. So this week we are talking to a very well-versed individual in the world of fly fishing. And uh, you're all going to want to really sit down for this one because uh, you might as well just go ahead and put a new cart in your mailbox because it's going to happen. All right. So let's get into this. You're listening to Find a Demo Surf Fishing. Let's get after it. <laughs> It's always pumping me up. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's going to be real fun. And man, it's good just to be recording. Welcome to another good week, another episode. I hope you're doing well wherever you are. And I really hope you're on the beach with a line in the water. Hey, if you're in a car or at the gym, keep doing the good things you're doing. Hopefully, I'm going to help you get through. So like I was saying, everybody, we're going to be talking to a very uh, well-versed individual in the fly fishing world. So without further ado, we are going to be speaking with Mr. Larry Grossman, the also known as the Grumpy Panhandle Fisherman. Good afternoon, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Mr. Brian Demo, how are you? And thanks for having me on. Oh, man. I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> every every day. Yeah, every day. <laughs> yes. It's funny, uh, too, for us, because um, I bumped into you at the beach at Opal. Uh, you, you were out fishing, and it just you know happened to be a conversation. It's like, huh, this is really cool. You know, I didn't know you knew about me, and I had only heard about you through you know the chats and stuff and, and seen you commenting. And then it turns out, it's like, oh, well, I, you do fly fishing. I was like, this is great. Then the more I started learning about you, and the more I've hung out around you and talked around you, it's like, dude, you're more than just a fly fisherman. You've been doing this for years. It's been a long career in the fly fishing world uh, with some time off, but um, that that craze started for me back in 1983. Is when I got into the fly fishing. Yeah, that was a that was actually a really cool day when I met you guys at the beach because I think I had just watched your uh, Panhandle Fishing Report show twice, I think, and by chance. Uh, my wife and myself just wanted to go down to Pensacola Beach somewhere, and uh, I was pretty new to the area and just wanted to go down and check out Bayside with the fly rod, walk around, kind of start getting familiar with the area, and there you guys were in the parking lot, which I was like, hey, those are the guys, man. That's Smitty <laughs> and Demo. I'm going to go over and say hi, and that's that was when I met you. It was, you know, as long as I've been in the fishing world, it was still really cool to meet you guys. Oh, man. It was so cool to meet you. I mean, it's, and like you said, you know, you just got here, so that made it even better. It was like, this is great. I mean, it, would, it was the perfect premise of everything Mike and I ever hoped for with that, that report is to run into people and have conversations with them and just meet people. I, we're, I don't know, not really attention whores per se, but we really just <laughs> want to meet people. <laughs> It, it was it was funny because I kind of snuck up on you guys and I was like, hey, um, and you kind of looked at me like, who's this guy? And I was like, you guys do the flat, the, the, the panhandle fishing report. And then you guys lit up and it went from there. It was great. <laughs> I mean, I don't try to do the, hey, are you this guy? What? 
what? No. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> you're the you're the guys. The guys. Yep. Oh, uh, okay. So let's let's talk about this. So where and when? So we now know it was 1982 or 83. 83. Okay. Yep. Um. Uh, so in 80, where did you start fly fishing? Um, I started in one of the fly fishing capitals of the universe up in Yellowstone National Park. Oh, that and, is old. you know, if, if you have 10 hours, I can give you the whole story. But uh, in a nutshell, um, I had moved, and we just talked about this. I had moved to South Florida in 1972 with my family, went to high school and junior college in South Florida. And then I, I graduated from Florida state in 1981. And then I was in town for about a year and a half and an opportunity came up, um, after traveling around the country with a buddy of mine, uh, basically on our last nickel and we went through the West. I wanted to move out West. And an opportunity came up, um, to move to Yellowstone national park and work for the summer as a line cook. I applied for a manager position there, but they offered me a job as a line cook at the Lake hotel. And I was like, I'm out of here. So, and this, this is kind of a funny connection. Um, I had a 1971 Opal station wagon that I bought from a girlfriend's dad at the time who was from Pensacola. <laughs> so that was the vehicle. That was the, and I, I don't think it went faster than 65 miles an hour, but that was the vehicle that got me out West. And when I got to Yellowstone national park, um, I lived in an employee housing area, um, called fishing bridge which is no longer it doesn't exist anymore but, um we were right at the mouth of yellowstone river coming out of yellowstone lake and a lot of the guys that lived in that area were fly, were fly fishing and i didn't really know much about it and uh i wanted to get into it i was a i was a bass fisherman i lived in south florida prior and uh, the state of florida and i'll get more into my fishing history if you want to when i was a kid up in the northeast but um, i wanted to learn how to fly fish so they had these stores called, called the Hamilton stores or the ham, the ham store. Uh, the store is still there. It's, it's something else, but it was a contracted, uh, basically like a seven 11 in the park. And they had some really low end Fluger fly rods with pretty cheap Martin fly reels. And I think I bought everything for like $40, had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but there were guys that tied flies, uh, that lived in my area and, I just got a, started knocking heads with those guys on where to fish and where to start and what kind of flies to use. And, you know, I, I cut my teeth fly fishing on the Yellowstone River, which at the time I didn't know was, you know, a worldly destination for people that fly fish. So that, yeah. that's where it started. And I immediately, I didn't catch a lot of fish when I first started, um, but I did catch a few fish and it was just awesome. Like to be standing in the river, Yellowstone National Park with buffalo walking around and uh, just being able to spend my mornings doing that because I worked in the evenings as a line cook at the Lake Hotel. Um, I just fell in love with it and it all went from there. It got crazy. The, actually, the next year I was actually guiding in Colorado, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that is definitely crazy for that turn. But I mean, like, yes. like you said, it's funny you bring it up, though. You know, you're fishing in the picturesque place of everyone wants to be or go try, and here you are now in one of the hottest fisheries of Florida. Uh, that is picturesque Shh. fish beasts and everything. Yeah, that's right. It's horrible here. Don't don't, don't, come don't tell anybody. Don't visit. It's <laughs> too windy and cold and hot. And it's terrible. It's terrible. It's horrible. I mean, it is really horrible in the winter. 
Yeah, I'll give it that. <laughs> um, but you've gone from these huge name places to go, and you started your fly fishing journey right at like Daytona, essentially, of the NASCAR world. You, you started at the one monster place, and it just got better as you went into Colorado. It, yeah, it's been a really incredible journey. Um, uh, I feel blessed and lucky to have you know, traveled the path that I've taken to get to this point, and you know, here it's an entirely new open book for me, which is, which is the most exciting part of it. But, um, you know, I got to give a lot of thanks to a lot of my old friends, guys that I worked with in Yellowstone that were actually guides. They, w- one guy in particular, this guy Duke Brown who lives up in Bozeman, Montana. He's still one of my best friends. Um, he was from Brooklyn, New York, uh, went, moved to Bozeman to play football there at uh, Montana state on a football scholarship. And then he got into fly fishing out there and he, he was working in the park as a guide and he, I befriended him early. Um, he worked out at the bridge Bay Marina as one of the guides out there. And he also worked for an outfitter back East where people, you know, they'd fly clients out West to fly uh, fish in the Yellowstone region and he would guide them. Now my in was as a, a line cook at the Lake hotel. One of my, main responsibilities was I was responsible for the prime rib portion of the dinner line and the guides from the bridge main marina would come in every evening and we would feed them. And of course, prime rib guy was their best friend who was <laughs> wanting to learn how to fly fish in that area. So we cut a deal and uh, Duke became one of my best friends of all time, still to this day. Oh, and we had the same days off. Uh, or I arranged it so we had the same days off. So he would take me on these incredible journeys and day trips out of Yellowstone to fish world-class rivers, um, the Madison, uh, the Yellowstone outside department. I mean, it was just one after the other every weekend uh, that we had days off. And I learned so much from him. He he tied his own flies and he built rods and the whole deal. So, I, I mean, I was introduced right into the meat of uh, – you know, this former recreation called fly fishing and um, just became great friends with so many people and learned so much from so many people that summer. And then, of course, from there, you just engulf yourself and start spending money and buying gear. And then it's the same thing I'm doing here now because of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but not fly fishing. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've, already got, I've already got that stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're covered so, there for sure. Yes. Oh, boy. Wow. So all the way up there. So. Um, you've done a little bit of the fly fishing since you've been here. I uh, I know we've yes. talked offline. Um, you've been doing Soundside, and you you went to the beach yesterday to go. The winds were not cooperating, though, right? It was it was ripping pretty well in the afternoon. So I had a great morning fishing on the Gulf side, and then the and what I've been doing is I bring a rod, a fly rod with me, and at some point during the day, if things start to slow down, if the bite starts to slow on the Gulf side. Um, I'll rig up my rod and just have it available um, because I have had the opportunity at a couple of fish that have been cruising the beach on the Gulf side. So if I'm fly rod ready, you know, I jump up and chase that fish and try and get out in front of him and present a fly to him, yep. which is amazing. It's crazy what you have <laughs> going on here. You know, it is. Yeah, but so, you, yeah, you that's, know what to look for, though. So, I mean, it, it's a huge... Like I still can't sight fit. I can't, I still can't sight cast to save my life. I suck at it. But you, you right. know, with you've got kind of the X-ray vision of being able to see from the riverside, you know, up there and, and down in Colorado, you 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 kind of have that laser vision that you 
you, you kind of know what you're looking for. So it kind of helps out totally. a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and also, um, 20 plus years of being a guide, I mean, your eyes are trained to look for certain cues and look for fish. Um, and I, I also spent a good number of years, um, in all my years of uh, living out west, my mom and dad still, my mom still lives in South Florida. So I would come home and visit, and I had friends that um, either lived in or guided down in the Keys. So I spent a fair amount of time down there fishing, and I spent a lot of time down there wading a couple of uh, accessible flats in the Keys. So it's almost the same exact game here, but it, it's just a little different environment, um, different water, uh, different bottom, but it, it's the same game. You're you're looking for uh, which way fish might be moving during different tide flows, all that stuff. So it's, yeah, it's it's an advantage to have some of that in my history and then come here uh, being blind to the area. So, But I still have a good understanding of, you know, this time of day at this tide, fish may be moving in this direction. And there's a spot here they may enter an area or they may run into a sandbar here where I might have a chance to present a fly to them so it's it's all the same it's just a different environment oh no there's no tips or tricks right there at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay so yeah and that's all an accumulation of past knowledge that helps me here it doesn't necessarily mean to catch a bunch of fish it definitely helps all right i mean any kind of knowledge is still good knowledge so that that absolutely i still honestly i truly believe that all aspects of fishing can work together there's always a you know something that a bass guy or gal gets is still going to work here in the surf or it's going to work in the sound it's it all melds together in just different ways i agree 100 percent. it's it's fishing yep regardless of what word you put in front of fishing yep you know it's all it's all fishing so how did fly fishing in the surf first sound to you when you were like all right i'm going to do this so um when we when my, my wife was from Pensacola, and when we, uh, prior to being married, we, we made a few trips back here to Pensacola to visit her mom. Um, her mom was in her late 80s at the time, and I was very fortunate that we were able to spend a week over in Seaside and Rosemary Beach every year in October, um, right on the beach. So we, her mom would rent a beach house for four or five days, and you know, at a point where I could literally just walk out and fish. So when I knew we were coming here, I started, of course, I started exploring YouTube for videos on what the possibilities were fishing in the surf. I think I found a couple of guys just throwing basic patterns like clouds or minnows. That's kind of a standard in the fly fishing industry, catching lady fishing one night. So I was like, perfect. So, you know, I brought gear, um, just one rod and one reel. The first year we came out and gave it a shot, you know, and, um, having that availability, being able to walk literally five minutes and be out on the sandbar casting, you know, into the deeper water, um, was a great opportunity to just learn. So I just, you know, I went out, started blind casting as far as I could, just stripping in and lo and behold, um, I started catching ladyfish and blues. And it was awesome. Now it wasn't all day long, but still it was great and super cool. Yeah. So that's, that was kind of my introduction to it. So you brought up an interesting point there. I want to kind of dig in on that. So one of the things, and I think it might be down further in the questions, but it doesn't matter. We're already on a roll. Um, so when you're fly fishing in the surf, you prefer to be out on the first sandbar versus at the shoreline? 
now I've learned differently since I got here. Okay. And, and that's, that's primarily from um, learning from surf casting fishermen who, and you're in particular, you who say don't ignore the water close to the shore. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I've been trying to hone in my skills as a surf caster and surf fisherman, um, you know, with, with conventional gear. But at the same time now, now that we have fish here, I am going to start to concentrate on that channel from the beach out to the, that first sandbar, depending on where I am. Right. Um, because I've actually been catching a fair number of fish in that water with the surf gear and just throwing little dink casts out there. So those are fish that are potentially reachable with a fly rod. So um, that's going to be happening soon, probably during the tournament a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I know I'll have a couple of rods that are going to sit shallow because it, it it's it's an un, it's not overlooked. It's just not fished a lot. You know, everybody kind of comes down here to fish. They're going to throw out to the bar and over the bar. But, man, that first 30 yards, there, there's some sneaky things that pop in in six, seven inches of water. I've learned that. <laughs> I've learned that. And like, I've learned not did, to be too hasty. <laughs> how did you get here? I was like, what, what, yeah. what are you doing so shallow? I don't care. You're in my cooler. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I mean, again, um, you know, you may have seen my posts on Facebook. Like, I just try and listen to everything that's familiar with this area says, and you put that in your memory bank and then use it to your advantage. So. Yeah. I know there's plenty of fishing opportunities right off the beach. And uh, my first redfish on the fly was yeah. literally five feet off the beach. Crazy. That was so cool. Couldn't believe it. Still can't. Unreal. I, when you posted that, I was like, there's no way. Oh, there is. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of crazy. Those reds, man, they, they, they do cruise close. It, it's hard to believe that they'll, they will come in that close, especially on a I nice I mean, literally drop five feet off the beach. Yeah. What did he hit? It's crazy. So I tied up this, um, it's funny, the night before I, t I tied up what I consider kind of a sand flea pattern. Oh, it was that one? Uh, yeah, modeled after. So I just posted up on my YouTube channel the pattern that I threw that day. And it's, there's, there's a saltwater fly pattern called the Merkin crab. And I, so the body is segmented kind of the same way. And then you use uh, ultrasonial proof little legs um basically we're just trying to create a similar silhouette to a, a sand flea and uh that's what i did and you know that in that video you can see i threw it that fish four or five casts stripping 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 and the fish didn't move so finally i was like you know in the heat of the moment you have to remain calm <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> and, it, and and it was it was like okay i've i've stripped four or five times it hasn't worked so I ran out, you know, I got out, I got the fly out in front of the fish and just let it sink to the bottom. And lo and behold, you know, he swam over and I saw him eat it. And I almost pooed oh. myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was great. So the, so the normal tactic of, you know, strip it back, kind of the fly moving in the water, didn't even get his attention. He wanted it on the ground. Like, I want the easy meal. Don't make me work for this. Yeah. And I mean, it was my, it was my first redfish. So I didn't really know um, what was best. So, I mean, it just. It just worked out crazy. Yeah, Lucky. Wow. That had to have been a yeah. fun fight, though, on a fly rod. It was great. Super good. Oh. Yeah. I mean, because there's a whole other portion of the fight when you're, you're fighting a fish on a fly rod where 
typically you've got a bunch of uh, freestanding line in the water at your feet that you'll have to allow that fish to, to strip out until you can get what's called on the, get the fish on the reel. Yeah. And then you can fight them on the reel. But there's, there's a little more line management problem solving typically with a fly rod, especially with a big fish. I can imagine. They can take, they can take off in a hurry and then it turns into a big mess sometimes. So, but that, I mean, that one just worked out. Look. I mean, you, the way you're talking about this, the only thing my brain is going to is a giant salmon. Just like, oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of, sort of. So, so what do you see as a big difference for fly fishing uh, between the surf and other areas like freshwater or streams? Um, freshwater, streams, rivers, typically you target a, an area because that's where the fish hold and that's where they live. And as the, the water cycles change in rivers and streams from winter conditions in the spring runoff and the settling down in the summer, and then the river dropping back down in fall. Uh, when, when you're around it enough, you realize that the fish move typically. Um, and a lot of that has to do with insect life and insect cycles on the rivers and streams. Okay. But after a while, you can target specific areas, and you know that's where those fish are going to most likely be. So, and then when you, when you get to the surf, I mean, it's – you're you know, find a spot that looks like it may have fish that are going to be traveling through that area. Uh, I know you guys like to target the rips a lot, um, you know, backside of sandbars, front side of sandbars. But here you can you can walk and walk and walk the beaches looking for fish, or you can just sit tight, which is kind of what I like to do. You know, maybe stay in an area that's 100 yards wide because the fish here are moving. You know, it's not like they're just sitting in a spot like they do in the river. I mean, there's fish in the rivers and streams that are there all year. They don't, they might move during spawn season, but they're generally speaking going to stay in the same spots for the most part of the year. For here, they never sit still. They're always moving. So um, let the fish come to you here is my theory without wearing yourself out. Makes a lot of sense. sense. Oh, it does. Yeah. I'm not by any way, you know, I'm, I'm the son of a fly fisherman. So, and I know nothing of it, unfortunately, <laughs> he died before I could learn it. Um, but I do ah, remember some really of the things good. I was taught was, you know, with a rivers, you know, you're looking for that rock where that trout or salmon, you know, he's going to hide behind it to do the little slide swipe to the right or to the left to, totally. to get, to get totally. that bug. So totally. I could see, you know, with that one. And then with our mentality on rips, it's almost the same thing. You know, the current is just one big rock. And that fish is just right. going to hang out on the edge like, what you got? What you, oh, there it is. You know, and come and get it. That's true. And, that, you know, it's funny you said that because I haven't thought of it that way, but that is true. Um, yes, I'm ahead yeah, of the, the game. The, the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you are. But the, the fish want to sit in a spot where they don't have to do a lot of work, but they still have a lot of food opportunities coming by them. So that's why they'll be behind rocks or they'll be right on the bottom of the river where, the you know, the bottom of the river is creating drag and slowing the river down in that specific spot, but they still have fast current coming by. It's carrying a ton of insects and food. So, okay. yeah, you are ahead of the game. <laughs> now, if I could just, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to put a rock out where a rip is. <laughs> Can I get a That's a bit? great idea, actually. <laughs> <laughs> a little marker. Yeah, let's start. Yeah, there yeah, it totally. is. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. That's start good. chucking some giant boulders <laughs> in the rips. 
Crush. I mean, I'm not saying like the national seashore is like what you doing? Nothing. You saw nothing. Go. You need, you need to just leave me alone. Let, let, let me do my thing. Yeah. What do you, what do you do with that front end loader? <laughs> oh, it's going to be bad on so many levels. Oh man. Oh. Oh. New sound, ladies and gentlemen. Sweet. You hear that sound? That means. It's- it is bait check time. That's right. It has been enough time for you to go check that bait. So if you haven't done so, and if you can also, if your heart rates come back down and you're not having a heart attack, but when you hear that sound, that's right. That is now the bait check sound. That is now the bait check alarm. So bring that line in <laughs> and check it out. Make sure you've got good bait on there. Pause this. Come back to it. It'll be there. And get that line back out and get back to fishing. But, yeah, bait check. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Thank you. you. You get to be the first one to use it. That's really fitting. It makes me feel good. I like it. Damn, it actually got me a little like, ooh, where's where's the <laughs> And I'm, I'm the one to push the button. That's great. Yeah, I started running outside looking for a rod bending. <laughs> I didn't realize how hard it would be to make that sound. That's <laughs> I mean, great. It took forever. All right. Sorry, as, as I digress. So what uh, what makes a good fly for using in the surf? Um, it's going to be some type, you know, anything that imitates the actual food sources. But... General rule of thumb, small bait fish, um, something that's fairly easy to cast. We don't want to be throwing gigantic flies with heavy rods in the wind because then you're asking for trouble. So um, basically, the go-to has always been the Clouser minnow. It's a very simple pattern to tie, but it's probably the most, probably the single most effective fly you can use in solar. If you wanted, you know, if you given the opportunity to pick one fly that you would fish with the rest of your life in salt water, it would probably be a clouser minnow um, in white and chartreuse, kind of the standard. But, you, you know, I tie them in different colors. Um, but, yeah, I, but I, unfortunately, I've been experimenting with a bunch of other stuff since I got here. So I'm trying to come up with the perfect sand flea pattern. <laughs> and, you know, I'm poaching ideas off of YouTube and whatnot. There's some pretty cool stuff out there. It's one of the best things about YouTube. It's such it's, great. A, it's a great pa- it's a great place to get good knowledge and bad but i mean it's you know if you want to learn how to do something just pull it up and be like hmm, all right what am i going to do with this yeah it's good yeah you can get some great ideas here so speaking of youtube have you, have you, you you've got your channel uh the grumpy panhandle uh fisherman have you been having fun yeah yeah it's a lot of fun you know i think i'm not i don't look at it as a as a career move i'm an old guy now i'm in my mid-60s but it's fun um, to document stuff and then share information. Um, I don't have a huge following, but I think there's 150 followers. But, you know, if you're, if you're putting up information that's helping other people catch fish uh, or learn how to do things, I think it's awesome. You know, I don't want to – all the things I've learned in my – you know, I've been fishing my entire life, but I've been in a fly fishing world for – roughly 40 years at this point. So, I mean, if there's information that I can put out there to help people instead of, like, taking it to the grave with me where it does nobody any good, um, I think it's cool. Plus, it's fun, yeah? I mean, it, it creates good memories for me. So when I start, you know, losing my mind, I can always click on my YouTube channel <laughs> and eating my smashed carrots and say, yep, that was me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, it's, uh... it's fun. That, you know, you, you said one of the few things, and I say it on the podcast all the time. If I help one person, then I did this right. It, it's, yeah. It, then if you can help anybody with fishing, it's it's such a great feeling. 
I'll, I, I, I commend you for doing it. I really do. I think it's great that you're doing the YouTube, especially with the fly piece. Uh, you, you're going to influence a lot of people to learn, and I think it's phenomenal. That's Yeah, that's kind of the plan. Now you're going to be in you trouble when somebody it. asks you to start fly fish guiding in the surf. Well, that could happen. Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a there's a pan, there's a ch- chance that could happen eventually. <laughs> I don't, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't look at doing it, you know, five, six, seven days a week. But um, I, you know, I love it. It's fun. It's fun to share with other people. I've got some neighbors here and some friends of our family here that I I've told them and I've told you. Yep. Um, you know, if you want to come out and spend a day or a couple of days and hang out, and I've got all the gear and everything I need and just uh, get you out there and teach you some things so you can get in it and start learning how to do it because it's, it's another whole world of the fishing world for us. So it's, it's fun. Yeah. And I'm definitely taking and you it, up on and, it. That there's there's yeah, no getting away yeah, from we'll that. That's happening after the tournament. Yes. You know, so I'm, I mean, at this point I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, uh, where I can find fish that are going to eat the fly. And I know there's a bazillion opportunities here. Um, I've got some pretty good um, spots right now that I, I, I'm still surf casting, and fishing in those areas, but um, I'm going to start concentrating on the fly rod as soon as the tournament's over. And I, I am going to throw the, the fly rod in the tournament a little bit as well. Absolutely. Why not? I mean, you've got the yeah. gear. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be fun. So while we're talking about the rods, then we're talking about fly rods here, kind of a nice transition. With rod consideration, it is important. How does one pick a good fly rod to surf, uh, surf cast and surf fishing, uh, but also to possibly use elsewhere? Yeah, that, so that's a, that's a tough one because, especially here, um, you know, most of the days that I've been throwing the fly rod have been pretty windy. So mm-hmm. you, you need a rod that's got some backbone that's pretty stout. Um, I throw anything from an eight weight to a 10 weight here. And I've actually started to prefer the 10 weight, which most fly fishermen would consider too heavy for the opportunities here. Mm-hmm. But it's a rod that will punch the fly line in windy conditions. So casting a fly line is all about creating speed. So line speed, that's because we're not casting the weight of a lure um, or some type of bait or a Sputnik weight, the weight that you cast with the fly rod is actually the line itself. So you have to, you know, you want to have a rod that's got some backbone and that I'll throw a little heavier weighted line if you get into a super windy condition, which happens here, uh, any saltwater environment. So I fished here predominantly with an eight weight rod for a long time. Um, and then I got a, a an eight foot, 10 inch, 10 weight that I've been throwing and that's kind of turned into my go-to um and i know you discussed uh you know rod flexes on the fishing report over the weekend i like to throw a little stiffer rod and a rod that i can lean on a little bit more so i can get my fish in quicker yeah um, it's fun to, it's fun to fight fish i've caught a bazillion fish in my lifetime but I, I want to get the fish in as quick as possible because that's what's best for the fish and then let him go and get him back out there unless it's a slot red then he doesn't have to worry about being healthy to get back in the water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nope. Where are you going? Yeah. To my grill. <laughs> <laughs> which I haven't caught yet. Everything I've caught has been over slot, which is crazy. Yeah, you've been on the bowls. You're definitely on the big ones. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's been fun. Well, you're going to see some... Uh, this is going to be your first summer here, right? Uh, and I'll yes. like dedicated fishing for the summer. Yes. 
Yeah, it's you're gonna have a lot of fun. <laughs> the next, <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. Like for. this month's gonna be great. May is gonna be okay. June is gonna suck um, because of June grass. Hopefully, we don't get much, if at all. But June will be interesting. July it gets rough. August gets rough. Um, and then September and October turns back into fire again. It's just, Sweet. it's so much, so many good things. I mean, we're, you're going to be on so many fish. It's, it's going to be great. I don't even need to tell you. You know this already. Sorry. I can't wait. And now we have kayaks. Oh, yeah, I know. I can't wait. Dude, I'm totally going to go can out talk about talk about that another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually have to finish my, uh, I have, I have the trailer now. I, uh, I went and bought a trailer. I just need to build the the holder for my kayak and absolutely awesome. I'm, I'm getting out there with you man i can't wait to get in the kayak it's you know i've been out in mine twice it's awesome yep so yeah. what is your typical setup when you're heading out to do fly fishing because i know you said that you're going eight you're, you're leaning more towards your 10 weight now but you're going to go out yeah. with your normal surf rods and you know what is your normal like okay this is what i'm taking i mean i i think for for the, and to get back to your first question, what would be good when you could use elsewhere? I'd, I'd probably say um, for the starter kit, for somebody who's looking to just get into it here, I'd, I'd probably get an eight weight. Okay. So a nine a nine foot eight weight uh, is a good all rounder. It'll do everything you need it to do here. And then real wise, uh, probably the same as uh, the spin and traditional casting world. You don't need to spend a ton of money um, in the fly fishing world. Our reels are basically just spools. And I've actually started fishing a lot of uh, Echo Gear. Um, it's a company I was started by one of the Ray Jeff brothers years ago. They were affiliated with uh, G. Loomis for a long time. But they've kind of cracked the code on affordability and functionality um, on their real uh, lineup. So it's a company called Echo. It's spelled E-C-H-O. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't pay me. I'm not endorsed by them. They don't, you know. Not but, yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've ha- I've had... I've had an affiliation with them before. I, I mean, I, I've managed fly shops, so I've, I've been in, in and around the industry in a lot of different aspects over the years. But um, so, like Echo, Reddington, um, TFO makes some nice, affordable stuff to get into it. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of options out there. Um, but yeah, I'd go with an eight weight, and then maybe get uh, a reel that will hold an eight through ten weight line. So that way, it's you can like if you wanted to get a nine or ten weight after the fact, you can just get another spool for the fly rod or for the fly reel, and then put a different line on that. So you have interchangeable spools for your reel, and then you have some versatility. So wow, yeah, okay. it's crazy. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, what you're talking about still, you know, that making sense to you. And there's other people that are gonna be like, you know, that don't know the, the fly fisherman. Like, okay, cool, I can see what you're saying. But it's just like talking to somebody that's getting into fly, you know, surf fishing for the first time. Yeah, you know, what do I need? Uh, grab, yeah. grab a twelve footer, and you know, you can go grab <laughs> totally. this rod. And you can grab a ten totally. footer. Grab, grab that. Totally. You can get after this. We'll go with this reel, this rod. And go with twenty pound weight, and grab yeah. some Sputniks and a couple of salty rigs, and start throwing. That, that's what I did when I got here. <laughs> Seriously, you know, I, I mean, again, I watched some YouTube stuff, uh, a lot of Blaine stuff. Um, some other guys, and, you know, and I ended up down at Lasky Outdoors and talked to Clint, and I was like, okay, what do I need? Let's do this. You know, this is kind of my budget. Let's go. And so, yeah, I ended up with, uh, let's see, a 10-footer, an 11-footer, got a couple of battle three reels, you know, so, like, really nice reels that aren't crazy expensive. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I, I had some other stuff 
from previously living down here um, that became part of the clay. But yeah, and then just add to that as needed. So, and you know, I know you I know you fish Akuma a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, I have two Akuma longitudes. Those things are awesome. Yeah, they're tanks and and affordable. So, yeah, yeah, I'm I've. I was actually just talking to my wife about that. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I could ever leave my Akumos. They're just, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much good on anything surf-related right now. But, I mean, the Akumos I always look at, I'm like, yeah, you're my, I'm angry and I want to throw at 120, 130 yards. Totally. I'm going to that rod. <laughs> totally. Yeah, uh, they're beasts. Well, you can't, I, I haven't broken it yet. Knock on wood. As the tournament's coming awesome. up, that's smart of me to say. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, w- I would say like an eight weight rod, nine, a nine foot eight weight, and then a compatible reel. Okay, nice. And you can spend as much on that stuff as you you know with any type of anything, any sport. Right. You know, but you could probably get into it affordably with pretty decent gear, uh, fly rod, fly reel, backing for the reel, uh, line for the fly reel and the rod, probably. You know, a decent setup, maybe two hundred and fifty bucks. That's not bad. I mean, considering how we yeah. spend in surf rod gear, right? So, yeah, that's pretty compatible. Yeah. So with you, you fly fishing in the bay, uh, has there been any real big difference for you um, when you're going into your planning and execution? Um, boy, I've been getting my butt kicked over there. I just haven't seen fish yet. Um, I haven't been there at the right time. I know the fish are there. Um, but basically, and, you know, I got here at the worst time of the year back in, like, uh, December, right around New Year's. Yeah, you, you did come in at probably the, the saddest yeah. time of our fishing. <laughs> yes. So, but, I, but I committed to going to as many places I, as I could and walking, um, whether I saw fish or not, and, you know, walking miles at a time with shoreline on the bay side and getting familiar with what's out there. So, um, again, I've, I've really tried to, um, improve my surf fishing, which I've done dramatically. I think, um, I, you know, I actually have some confidence now in a little bit of what I'm doing. Um, not the greatest, but, um, you know, I've caught plenty of fish and I'm not tired of eating pompano yet. So, <laughs> but, but, you know, Bayside fly fishing, uh, here I've been getting crushed. Um, but I just haven't had the opportunity. So I know they're coming. Um, I'm familiar with a lot of the areas, uh, close by here. And I know pretty much where I'm going to start spending a lot more time. Um, as soon as we probably, as we get into next week and you're welcome to come along. So, Hey, I'm already starting to schedule my work things around this already. I've already had that conversation (laughs) with my wife. You know, it might be time to start slowing down work and go fish more. (laughs) Surprisingly, she's very supportive. So I'm all for that. Good. Uh, so why is it you think that fly fishing hasn't exploded in the surf? Uh, I think it's too intimidating. Um, oh, that's a good point. Real good point. Yeah. Um, you have to be a, a, a good, I'm not going to even say like decent. You have to be a good fly caster uh, to be able to toss. You know, if you can throw 70, 80 feet a line, then you're going to be able to catch some fish. Um, but that is the, probably the, I think people are probably intimidated. Um, and that, that takes a little bit of time to learn. Um, it's not just a standard fly cast. You're doing, uh, what, what's called a lot of double hauling, 
which is basically a technique that increases line speed that allows you to cast farther. Um, but yeah, the the techniques, the basic techniques of fly casting have to be perfected if you want to have success fishing out in the salt water. Um, you can get away with it in small streams and rivers because you really don't have to overhand cast uh, when you're learning. You can do what's called roll casting with a mint, so you're just basically flipping the line over um, and letting the line drift down the river. And then you allow the, the moving water in the river to create tension on the, the rod tip, which allows you to just flip the line back up over. Here, you've got to be able to cast. So um, that's probably the number one reason would be people are intimidated and uh, maybe a little bit overwhelmed with what it takes to get to that point. But you can get there pretty quick uh, because you can practice casting on in your front yard. Okay. So, I'm, yeah, I'm going to throw a ski analogy because I know you're a ski guy. Yeah, it's kind of like the skiing and snowboarding. You know, one is easy to learn, but a pain in the ass to man's master. But the <laughs> other one is hard to learn, but it's easy to master. <laughs> <laughs> True. Oh yeah. So I could see being. It, uh, you, you know, you talk about seventy, eighty feet of line, and people are like, "That's not far." But on that, I mean, how heavy is a fly? Flies are. Very light. I mean, we're talking quarter ounce, yeah. half ounce, if that. Right. So, I mean, try and envision throwing a um, overcooked spaghetti noodle <laughs> with a fly on the end of it, seventy feet. <laughs> that is a great analogy. <laughs> yeah, with a, with with a long, flimsy rod. You know, so it's all timing. Um, you know, it's it's timing and technique, um, and you know, there's. One one of my one of the things I took pride in when I was guiding and teaching people how to fly fish was my ability to teach them how to cast a fly so and how to cast a fly rod. And it, if you simplify it, I, I've listened to so many guides and instructors over the years make it way too complicated for their students. Um, if you can just give them two or three things to think about when you're teaching them, they'll pick it up pretty quick and get a good understanding of how the fly rod works and. Um, how to get that line moving in the direction you want it to go. So. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So Keep it simple. Yeah, that is a key to so many things in life. Yes. What do you think is the Inclu hard... Including life. In <laughs> oh, Keep it simple. Yes. yes. What do you think the hardest part aspect of uh, fly fishing is? Uh, learning the cast. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, in the river world, it's it's you have to learn the insects as well. So the entomology part of it, um, but you can still that, you know, even a blind squirrel can find an acorn every once in a while. Yep. Um, so, I mean, as long as you're out there throwing flies, you have a chance, but you, you've got to be able to, you get, we used to have a saying when, when I would fish with my friends down in the keys, you know, you, you got to show them the food, otherwise you don't have a chance. So, um, probably, yeah, being able to cast and present a fly properly here, especially in this environment. That speaking of that, there's something I picked up, and I, you know, I know it's not scripted here, so I'm, I'm going to ask it anyway because it's a little it pertains. One of the things that I kind of picked up early on fly fishing, younger, was you know you do you get your pattern, you get it out to kind of where you want it, and when you're getting it out, you let it sit and let it do its thing, because hopefully that right. that trout or that salmon is looking up and they're like, oh hey, hey it's back, and it goes right for <laughs> it. Um, but here in the surf, my brain tells me, okay, cool, you can do that action. It's not going to care because it, it's it got the, you know, 
the attention span of a newt. <laughs> um, but it, it sees it in one part for the surface. Yeah, that's fine. But it actually has to hit the water and sink and get to it in some th- some form of fashion of movement to be like, oh, hey, I want that to eat it. Is that, yes. is that kind of what you're seeing so far with what you've been really picking up here? Absolutely. Um, and that's a good point. Um, because the, the fish that I would, the, the redfish I was able to catch, it was because my fly was, it sank. And I, I fish, all my fly, fly lines that I have here are floating. They make, you know, a bazillion fly lines. Some that float, some that are in immediate sink, or some that sink fast. Um, I think most of the fishing that I do here um, is going to be predominantly on flat, so I don't need a fly line that's going to sink, but they make leaders that do the same thing. So um, you can buy uh, leaders that are have some mass and weight to them. They're still pretty easy to cast, but when they hit the water, they sink instead of staying on the surface. So that's I've started to use those here. Um, Scientific Angler makes a product called uh, a sonar leader, which is part of that line, and they, they make different sink rates. So um, this, and get back into the, the fish catching. I had another opportunity at a at a, another bull red, a bigger one than the one I actually caught. Oh, it's pretty much the same spot, but he was cruising faster, and. I was able to get my fly out in front of him a couple of times, but it wasn't sinking. Um, I think the tide was high, and so there was more water. And it was kind of staying up in the surface film. And the last shot I got out of my strip, I, you know, I got the fly out in front of him, I moved it, and it was maybe two, three inches under the surface, and the fish charged it. And then he got right up to it and boiled, and I don't know if he just missed it or, he's, you know, there's something about it he didn't like. And he took off and went out over the sandbar, and he was gone. But... I, I think if I would have had the fly down deeper um, and it would have looked a little more natural, I might have had a, a better shot at hooking that fish. So, yeah, oh you want to get the fly down in the water column. Bigger than what it was, really? You're going yeah. for bigger? That was a huge one you caught, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like 28-something. That was pretty good. I was, I was, oh. As you saw in the video, I was beside myself. You were, and you should have yeah. been. Like a little kid in a candy store. You know, I'm going to laugh. You're going to be the guy that catches a Kobe on the fly rod. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I'll try. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I'll I, try. I cannot imagine a Kobe a fight on one of those. I just, yeah. I can't. Yeah. Everybody's, anybody that, listening to this is probably like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and that, that's what's so amazing about this place and the opportunities you don't know what's going to swim by you know you but you you need to be at the spot and be prepared for when it happens so that's what's so cool about it here um who knows what's going to come swimming by or lurking Um, just be ready when it happens be prepared and don't panic don't panic don't panic don't don't let the adrenaline take over like it does every time Yeah. <laughs> I, I love telling that to when tourists come by and they ask me about fishing. They're like, oh, what are you fishing for? I was like, well, I mean, if we're being honest, I'll, I'll be the guy that admits it here on the podcast. And I will get ostracized, and I accept your ostracizing and compliments and all sorts of other negative things. I, I do believe in the, you know, hey, you're targeting a certain fish. You're going to go catch that fish. If you're not, you know, what are you fishing? Are you, you know, you don't go to a place, you don't go hunting and just say, oh, I'm going to shoot a squirrel. <laughs> but it's like, you know, here... In, in this area, we have such a wide range of fish that come through here. 
and you can throw yes. a pompano, you can throw a double dropper. And on that double dropper, yeah, you can target pompano, sure. But you're also possibly going to catch a Spanish. You could catch a jack. You could catch a uh, bluefish, shark. Uh, there are so many things that are going to go by this line, and they're going to hit. So, yeah, you can say I'm targeting, but you can't control yeah. what fish is going to eat it. No, I'm, I'm just fishing. <laughs> exactly. So For whatever. I, I, I love when people, you know, you start telling people that, and they're like, kind of looking at you funny, like, hey, look, man, you have no idea the amount of happiness and crazy that happens here. It is glorious. <laughs> if you want, go get a rod. Come sit with me. We will fish, and we will have a blast. Oh, absolutely. That's that's the perfect attitude now. Yeah. Thank you. It, I don't know. It's just me. I'm weird. <laughs> you know, and, and fish don't live in ugly places. No. No, they don't. Absolutely. And the run just starting is... You know, you're getting out in the perfect time, and you know this just makes it more fun. But with the run just starting and things getting heat, you know, heating up, the Spanish are back, so we're gonna, you know, you can get into the fun stuff there. The kings are out at the pier, which means you know you can go out a little further in the kayaks, and um, you can play with it there. The bonita are running; they're a little bit further out, but on the surf side, you know, we're still able to get pompano whiting. Well, if we can find whiting, they've been very elusive. Yeah, red. yeah that's kind of weird. I haven't caught one yet. It, it's the strangest thing. <laughs> it, it, in the whole massive group, the um, the couple of text groups I'm in, everybody said the same thing. It's like, where's the whiting? We, mm-hmm. You can go out, and more often than not, you get out there, and you're going to probably get five, six whiting, no problem. You don't have to worry about getting skunked because the whiting are going to take care of you. This year, no. I, 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 I don't think the last whiting I caught was probably in February. Mm-hmm. Which is horribly odd for me alone, but that's, that's a long time on. ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tony Fagioni from Fishgum, uh, he just got one, a couple of really good tank ones, and he's had a, a pretty interesting uh, way to get them. He's had to go to the pier a few times, but it's just been very different for us in the fishery. It, it hasn't been the same, uh, same, same by any way, shape, or form. It's it's almost dis- you know it's dis- disconcerting is a good word for it. Yeah, I'll bet. Are there any theories why? Or? I I have none. <laughs> I wish I, I can't. Well, that's, that's the best policy. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to stay neutral and say, I don't know. Um, yeah. I really wish I had an idea, but yeah, I, I mean, they're not, they're a very sustainable fish um, and they're a very good fish. So it's just been a little weird. Uh, I'm hoping it's just, you know, they're coming. Maybe they just went up yeah. shore and hid. Yeah, but uh, we'll, we'll find they, out. They heard, they heard, they heard the grumpy panhandle handle fish when he was coming to town. So they, <laughs> They've delayed their arrival. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's some weird guy with a fly rod. Who's this guy? I'm not coming out yet. <laughs> oh, there it is, folks. It is your second second bait check time. It has been 25 minutes. So I always check it at 25. You can, you can. It's up to you. Another bait check. Make sure you get it in there. Check your bait. Make sure it's good. Refresh it if you need to. Go catch those fishies. When scouting uh, for your new areas here to throw, what are you looking for? Uh, I am looking for transitions of grass in the sand okay. more than anything. Uh, it's similar to what I would do down in South Florida or in the Keys. So, yeah, I mean, you're looking for spots where, you know, you know or maybe deeper water that comes abruptly up into shallows or flats. So because, you know, th- you're, you're visually looking for the fish, um, you're sight fishing. Occasionally, though, if I see something that looks like a, a, a deeper, dark spot of grass, um, I'll just throw a couple blind casts out there 
Um, right now, I'm just kind of banging my head on the wall when I'm doing that stuff, but I, you know, you never know. So, and, I, and I, again, I listen to a lot of information on a lot of different channels and a lot of different people. And I know that the trout, redfish have a tendency to sit in the deeper holes, uh, you know, if there's cover or if there's some kind of grass in there. So um, I'm, I'm still trying to learn that part of the game here. But yeah, transitions, um, points are key. Um, I've learned in a couple areas that I like to frequent fairly often that if you have deep blue water that moves up into a point, especially if it's kind of abrupt, um, you know, the fish, if they're cruising along, they're going to hit that point. So uh, it's the same for any type of fishing, but just kind of uh, look for spots where just like a normal travel path for fish is going to be interrupted where you may have a shot to throw a fly at them. Okay. So if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. Actually, speaking yeah. of that, I, I'll talk to you after the show, but um, I got a place I want to take you for uh, inshore or for just some, for some trout. I, I got an idea I want to share. I want to take you to. I think okay. you're going to like it. Yeah, twist my arm. <laughs> what <laughs> would you recommend to someone that has never fly fished before, does before they buy any piece of gear? Um, kind of a standard, uh, but I would suggest finding some rods in a shop. Um, you know, much like, like the demo day you guys had, that was awesome to have all these different companies there and be able to get out, cast all these different rods. And then you know, everybody's going to have a different taste, but go to a shop, um, whatever your favorite shop is. We don't, we don't have a huge selection here in the Pensacola area, but, uh, find a shop that's got some rods and, uh, cast some, um, you know, maybe watch some basic YouTube videos on casting or um, talk to the shop guys. Um, there's, I'm not really familiar with if anybody's got – so here's a, here's a great resource here. I, when I got here, I immediately joined the Fly Fishers of Northwest Florida group, and they meet here in Pensacola. Uh, there's a park. I can literally ride my bike to the park over here. It's over by the Graffiti Bridge in Pensacola. But, you know, you can get onto that group, and they do second Saturday of every month. And you don't have to be a member, but they meet in the morning uh, over in this park. And I forget what the name of the park is, sorry. But, and they cast, and they have a bunch of rods out there. And you can just go out there and cast, and it's a super cool bunch of guys. Um, a lot of guys that have been doing it for a long time that travel around the world and fly fish, but super helpful. They do fly tying sessions there as well a couple times a month so like in this area i would say maybe frequent that group and go to one of their casting saturday mornings and just get out there and uh, get information and maybe get some tips on fly casting and start casting a little bit and there you'll be able to cast a bunch of different ones because they typically have a bunch so but yeah uh find your local groups or um again local shops that might have rods that you can cast and find out information about it i think i think lost key and emerald coast bait and tackle have fly gear if i'm not mistaken yes lost key does okay so you can go see clint over there i know clint's big into the fly fishing yeah he is Um, i I need to talk to him i i I need to nail him down for an episode i've been hinting at it but i need to actually just like all right we're doing one come on yeah but here's here's a big so i was managing a fly shop in denver um when when the pandemic hit I was, it was called the Denver Fly Shop. And the 
the fishing industry, the fly fishing industry, like so many others, we couldn't get any product. And it, unfortunately, we didn't have a big guide service being out of downtown, you know, basically downtown Denver. Um, but it, you know, it put the shop out of business because we just didn't, we couldn't get inventory to sell anything. And I know that's still a huge problem is the supply chain. Uh, and not only in the fly fishing world, but everything else in the world. So um, that's a tough one right now. Um, but I know Clint's got a few rods in. Um, if he still has them, he might have sold them already. And then I saw a post that you guys put up. Somebody just got some TFOs. Is that in there? Yeah. Uh, so Amber. They that, got surf. That, that, that was the surf. surf. Yeah, the surf TFOs, yeah. the, the, which have right. become uh, quite they're getting quite the attention down here. Uh, they are a surprisingly good rod. I didn't cool. expect it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then I I found the TFO actually its roots started in fly. Mm-hmm. So it was That's uh, right. it was an interesting piece to. I think it was salty that was salty or Tony uh, were talking to me about it, uh, kind of educating me, you know, how they started it up and then they've grown and moved into the surf one. But they make a really good surf rod. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've had a good reputation in the fly world for a long time. And, um, you know, they make a good entry-level affordable rod as well for the fly fishing world. So Nice. Okay. Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, your local shops, and, um, again, if you can find, you know, if you can find local groups, uh, again, like, you know, fly fishers in Northwest Florida, um, those, that's, those are all really good resources. Perfect, man. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Larry. Seriously, I'm I'm so glad that you let me record you on this and you know pass on some of your knowledge to the people that want you know can learn from it. Um, and I know people can go to your YouTube channel, the Grumpy Panhandle Fisherman. You're gonna have more yeah. stuff going out there. You're also on Instagram, same thing, same screen name. Yeah. Um, is there any final tips or tricks you'd like to share? Uh, I don't think so. I think you know don't don't be intimidated. Um, reach out to me if you want some help. Uh, but yeah. Don't be intimidated by the fly fishing world because it is exciting. Um, you know, you know, you know, we're not a bunch of snobby fly fishing guys, although those guys are out there. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I consider myself, you know, and there's probably people that I, I know out west that are like, oh my God, he's throwing like, you know, standard equipment out there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm a fisherman. So get involved, go get a fly rod, go check it out. Um, you'll be addicted to it just like every other form of fishing that you probably do now so just just going to take a little bit of time to get that cast down but you'll get there and then uh you know follow social media get on youtube and get some tips on how to become better casters and whatnot so there's a world of information out there use it nice well thank you so much larry i appreciate you and uh i know we'll talk again soon and hell i know we'll go fishing together soon because you are right down the street absolutely so (laughs) all right buddy we will talk again soon i'm sure Brian, thanks for having me on. No problem, sir. Take care. You too. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I hope this episode helped you out because it helped me a ton. We've got a lot of good resources back here through this whole thing. So come on back and take a listen as you need. Uh, I hope you were taking some notes if you were just kind of listening. But fly fishing in the surf, it it is something that has been mentioned before in a couple of episodes uh, very lightly. But now I do see it as something that it can be done. And again, new form of fishing, new thing to learn. And a big time rush, from what I've been told, uh, of catching a fish like that. So, thanks for sticking around. Hopefully, if this episode helped you, uh, make sure you like it, share it, pass it on to somebody that's going to, you know, learn about fishing. This is all to make things better, make people better. And, hey, you might catch dinner. It's always a win right there. Reach out to us anytime you need. I always answer questions on social media. You're welcome to 
reach out however you like and talk. And like Larry said, if you want to reach out to him, if you have questions, reach out to him on that one. So, all right. Have a great week. Stick around for the next episode. It'll be here next week for your ears. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to Final Demo Surfishing. I'll see you. Thank <laughs> you.